Behold the podcast crisis. Uh, back from our break now. Yeah. Where were we? Uh, well, we were talking about the collapse of society for a while, and then what it would be like to rebuild it using only people who are creative, <laughs> or something along those lines. And then, yeah, we've been been talking about government entities like without getting too deep into it because a lot of people don't care about that stuff and it's fine <laughs> yeah. that's cool well that was a fun thought like what would happen if uh, you had a government reign by artists that's a really strange thought yeah I mean I don't know what like it's fun to play through those things like if you can think it as far out as possible like kind of I don't know, I believe in the process of, like, red teaming, you know? So you have an idea, I want to poke as many holes in it as possible, and then, as a result of that, what kind of scenarios could unfold? Like, I love doing that just for fun, you know? I don't know why, it's just how my brain's wired. And it's allowed me to make the right moves at the right times to kind of get ahead in life, too, you know? So... Yeah, you know, like a government ran by artists. Play with it, toy with it, like, you know, we can even, like, spitfire it, like, what do you think that would look like? What are the downfalls? What are the advantages? You know, what's, what becomes important all of a sudden, you know? The supply and demand changes, because paint is obviously more important (laughs) than food (laughs) for some guys, like, you know. (laughs) Economy, commerce, it all is different. And then they they have to think about the other people who don't make art. Yeah. The people they govern. Well, you know, the first thing I imagine, though, is, dude, what if we had Jimi Hendrix uh, become president and he mm-hmm. does his inaugural address? Yeah. And it's just a three-hour guitar solo. <laughs> Star-spangled banner. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just sweating bullets. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Trying oh, to chase man. his guitar down. That'd be so cool. And there's just a podium. That'd be dope. <laughs> he kicks that over. He's like, <laughs> lights it on fire. Yeah. Oh man, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> I keep rolling with that. Like, what else happens? Yeah, I don't know. So I imagine just immediate collapse of society. Oh wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Who's vice president? James Brown. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Who backs him up? What does the Senate look like? (laughs) If we can replace Nancy Pelosi with Ariana Grande, then... She's just constantly calling for impeachment. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we can't have this music. Yeah. This isn't me, Zach. What? This isn't me, Zach. Yeah. (laughs) This is just noise. (laughs) <laughs> oh man. So yeah, like I don't know. I think to to manage the the thought experiment, start with a tribe. Like we can all envision a tribe. Like so, you got a handful of people. Each one has a skill that they're good at, and it helps support what the other one lacks. Right. So. 
yeah, a tribe of artists, how would they govern themselves, first of all? What would that look like? And then if, you, if it seems reasonable, can you scale it up? Now you add 100 artists, 500 artists, 20,000 artists, you know, till it's city size, then you go to, okay. Now they need to govern the people who aren't artists. Like, what do they compromise on for their own values to appease the values of the whole, you know? And you get into morals and ethics and all that, and it's pretty fun. I don't know. Like, why not? But there would be way less war. Maybe there's more war. I think so. Who knows? If you got the surrealists and, you know, the... All the, uh... I don't know. Who wouldn't get along? (laughs) (laughs) And maybe there wouldn't be war. Maybe everyone's, like, cool with it. Like, you have the Impressionist camp, and then, like... Okay, the Impressionists and the Surrealists, like, those are two things I enjoy, personally. So, speaking from completely, like, selfish reasons, you know? What would that look like? Actually, you know what? A good example of that, this has already happened. So, Pablo Picasso studied with the Cubists, or, like, he kind of invented the Cubist movement, I guess. That movement eventually built rules as to what Cubism was, and they kicked Pablo Picasso out because he wouldn't follow the rules. <laughs> you know? Right. They completely tried to organize this guy's style. And when he wanted to express himself beyond those rules, they threw him out. It was something he started. Like, isn't that a common thing? Like, I see that happening a lot where... I don't know. It's a dumb example, but, you know, Bob Dylan going from acoustic guitar to electric. That's that's such a played-out example, but it's like that. The dude's still writing the same songs. He just changed the format a little bit, you know? So, if you have a government of artists, at what point do you have, like, the loyalists, the purists, the kind of, you know, the real strict artists? Like, we paint with these colors and these brands and these brushes and nothing else. If you go beyond, if you start painting with your fingers... Death. I don't like whatever the consequences. Like, I don't know. Maybe war would happen. Cause now the importance. Like, I don't know. Like, let's think about that. Money's not a thing. None, none of this crap matters. This is a completely fictional universe yeah. where art it's, is the most valuable commodity. It's more about maintaining artistic integrity. Yeah. So, because if you're trading in art, then you'd have to. You'd have to decide which art is valuable. There's a standard. (laughs) The art standard, yeah. Which we kind of have that now, too. We have a small group of people who collect this art and call it the standard, and they say this is worth X amount of dollars. And then they auction it off every so often. 
But if you were taking it as to where, like, you had tribes of different artists who were at war against each other over art, I mean, yeah. That'd be strange. Yeah, that yeah, is really strange. Who's gonna feed the cows? <laughs> Doesn't matter. I guess cows just graze, don't they? Yeah. Cows feed themselves. They're, they're not essential. Milk the cows. That's the... Yeah. Well, there's well, still the. Just wouldn't even drink milk. Yeah. Artists don't eat because they're too busy making art. Yeah. And if they impose that standard on everyone else, even the non-artist citizens would have to be forced to like revolve their lives around art. Because now art is the weird money currency. Art's kind of gross in this reality. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it gets, like, dirty and nasty. I think if you put that with anything in its place, replace money with whatever, it has that quality, because it's just, like... Yeah, it's just... dirty. I don't know. I guess you can make anything dirty if you look at it like that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> So what is that then? Like where does that come from? What's the core of this issue? It's this forced perspective of like, this is the thing that runs the show. And if you don't have it, if it's not met in a certain way, then everything crumbles. It just seems like brainwashing no matter what, though. Yeah. Like, you're told to think that this thing's important. But we're proving right now that you can replace this said thing with anything, and that instantly has the stink. But everything else can kind of take care of itself in the background. Yeah. What is that? Like... I think John Cage would be homeless. Yeah, he'd be out on the sidewalk, practically almost already. <laughs> yeah, just throwing nuts and bolts in his piano. Yeah. As people walk by and with disgust, <laughs> like ew, gross. <laughs> the man, that, that you know, in a sense, like the ultimate act of rebellion against the the music community was the whatever minute thirty two seconds of silence that he wrote. Did you see him perform it? No, he just... Okay, so, yeah, no, he has a stack of papers that are all uh, music staff papers or whatever, sheet music. He sits at a piano, like a, a grand piano, in a concert hall in New York. Tons of people there. They're all jacked to hear the new John Cage piece, right? <laughs> he sits down. It has a BPM, so it counts it out. Keeps time the whole time. Puts his hands, like, above the piano and puts them in his lap, counts out the, the beats, turns the pages as he's getting through it <laughs> for the whole duration of it. So he counts the beats at this BPM over this course of time, and he does it all on his head. Not a single note is played or written down. He plays it exactly as it's written. He just turns the pages for like almost two minutes. <laughs> And then he's done. Then he gets up and he bows, and everyone's like, 
Okay. The guy starts the slow golf clap. Yeah, the the slow clap sort of mostly disgusts though. And that was his way of like kind of giving the middle finger to like the music machine or whatever, you know, like the people who think, oh well, classical music's better than avant-garde and avant-garde's better than jazz and jazz's better than whatever, you know, all the snooty elitists. And he's like, here's the thing that we can all agree on. Silence. Like, and he classified it as music. You know, another thing that, that makes me imagine is uh, you'd have these protesters out in the streets, probably, and they'd be wearing, like, suits and ties. Yeah. And they're like, let's bring real currency or something. Let us work! Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> reopen the stock market. Yeah. <laughs> like, Give us 401ks. <laughs> Federal Reserve now. Yeah, like, okay. I mean, the strange thing, too, is there are parts of the world that do have those types of protests. They're like, For sure. we want work. We want places to live. And the fact that we have to do thought experiments because we got it so good is crazy. And it's especially crazy because it's we're the reason those things happen, you know? Look at the Middle East. Every time you see it on TV, it's like these blown out walls and like rubble everywhere and all that yeah, stuff. But it's actually just Detroit. Those were palaces. Yeah. <laughs> not, not even like 200 years ago. Those were freaking palaces until we gave them the ability to destroy themselves. We funded their, we create all the third worlds. You know? It's weird to me. And we played off, like, you know, like... They know what they're doing when they sign those bills. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll help them out. Send them the guns. And then they're just sitting back like, yeah, they're going to take care of themselves for us. You yeah. know, it's like... It's weird that... That's the thing, dude. I don't know. I always think about that. I'm like, those are palaces. Those were ornate, beautiful palaces that are completely blown out. They're craters now, you know? Strange. Like, they had more wealth than us not that long ago. We were a disease-ridden country, like, we were hacking off limbs and stuff when we got shot. Like, our teeth were rotting out, so we had wooden teeth, like, not long ago. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of scary to think about. They were way more advanced than we were. Yeah. You know, Istanbul had like it was like the science capital of the world. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like not anymore. Now it's like a weird. I mean, Istanbul's still nice parts of it, but I wouldn't know. I've never been there. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a crater. Yeah, I don't know what it looks like now. It's Google Maps weird. hasn't updated yeah, in three so years. That's <laughs> another weird thing when Starlink comes on. You're like. Whoa, that country's not there anymore? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened in Yemen? Why are they on fire? <laughs> like, yeah. how's this not in the news? Yeah. The rainforest is just a huge fireball. Yeah. <laughs> or the... Or Did those fires ever stop? What? The fires in the rainforest. Oh, in the rainforest? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, these news cycles are weird, man. It reminds me of, like, the fashion industry. So, like, the fashion in- industry has 
um, what is it? There's 52 weeks in a year, right? So they have like, <sighs> I forget the lifespan of it. It's something insane though. Like an outfit is only good for like three days or something. Because the cycle is so short. Right. So there's 152 weeks in a year in a fashion season. There's like 500 days or I don't know. It's some weird math. But what was the point I was getting at with that? The new cycle is similar. Where oh, it changes by the minute. Yeah, <laughs> literally moments. You know, like. You're going back to like ancient Greek days or whatever, like it take months to get news from anything, you know? And like even even America like a hundred years ago, it was not even that, like fifty years ago? There weren't even answering machines fifty years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I'll never forget the story. Uh, Grandma ever tell you this? When she, um, she worked in as an operator, telephone operator, okay. in Dallas, Texas. And she told me this story. She's like, one day I was working there. I'm like, what's the craziest thing that ever happened to you? Cause I just want to know. She said, one day I was working and it was she was a telephone operator in the style where you move patches. Like, yeah, you, the, you connect, connect this cord to this cord, and yeah, like, it was just this wall of lights and patch cords and switches. So it was old school. It was, like, whatever, a while ago. And uh, she said, one day she's working, all of a sudden the whole wall lit up. Everything had to get patched. Just all of a sudden, she's like, what the hell is going on? So she starts frantically patching in everything. After the fact, after it chilled out, it was like hours like that though. She didn't know what was going on. She didn't know if we just got nuked or something or like, just, everyone's calling everyone. And uh, she found out that she, she was a few blocks away from where JFK got shot. She was in that town, dude. Like down the road from where he got shot. Everyone there was calling everybody at the moment he got like capped. And she was like, yeah, I was like, he was like a couple blocks away, basically. I was like, "What for real?" She's like, "Yeah, that's intense." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "That's a crazy story." Yeah. But yeah, think about that. Like, if you wanted to make a phone call to someone, you had a person who had to manually connect you to that other person. So strange. So yeah, information moving at that slow of a pace like how many wars do you think got started in the middle ages where they're like fuck that king I want him dead six months this guy's riding this message out before it gets to him he has a change of heart he's like you know what yeah might have overreacted (laughs) (laughs) boom you're going to war now like you know there's no time you can't take that back you gotta really think about what you're saying as opposed to now where it's like Facebook's like Twitter, like, uh, I just I just thought I put it out there, everyone could see it. No going back. Like, it's like that, but so instant. And then you can try and backpedal 
but it just shows that you don't actually know what you're saying. There's proof of it. There's recorded history. But I think when you, back in the day, you're going to declare war on somebody or talk shit to another king, you really better think that one through. And you have to do this mind experiment, the saw experiment, where what would it look like if we went to war? Just because I'm calling his wife fat. You know? Like, you can't just say whatever you felt like. And same thing with the people, too. You say the wrong thing to the wrong dude, you get your hand cut off. Like... Well, they still do that. The, in parts of the world, they do. <laughs> and the fact that, I don't know... That, that kind of thing keeps you honest. Like... Yeah. Plato, actually. So, going back to Plato... Um, I think it was Plato. Yeah, he said this. He said, be kind... Because everyone's fighting a battle. You know? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's simple. But you think about it when you're like, yeah, everyone's like in the middle of something. So he's just like, the first two words, be kind, comma. Everyone is in a battle. I'm like, dude, you live by that. Things change, you know. The dude is smart. Yeah, it's really blowing my mind the, uh, the sheer wealth of knowledge in those books. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. All of Western thought think comes from so there. Long ago too. Yeah, <laughs> it's so important. That's you know the thing that disgusts me too is they don't teach that in school anymore. Right. And at one point, universities, that was, you learned philosophy at a university, right? And all you're doing is reading Plato and Aristotle and all those guys. You can read that yourself right now. You can listen to an audiobook. <laughs> you can, like, you can watch a YouTube video of someone reading it, you know, yeah. breaking it down. Like, you're just paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for somebody's interpretation of it. <laughs> yeah. I just think, like, people should be reading that stuff right now. It's so important. I'm going to reread it. Just talking about it makes me think of how do you like so much of my belief structure and my fundamental thinking came from just studying ancient Greek culture. Like, I don't know. Even in government, like military, like the Marines and stuff, like they still use the, the Spartan mottos. Like, that... It, yeah, our government as it's structured, all of Western thought it was created back then in ancient Greece, you know? So important. Yeah, I mean, uh, what really inspired me to start reading that is, uh, you know, during this podcast crisis, um, it's, it's good that the podcast crisis is being solved by people like you and me right now. Yeah, but uh, making a difference. So... America was never really intended to be a democracy. No. It was intended to be a republic. Yeah. And uh, just for some reason, I was like, well, what's a republic? Yeah. <laughs> Better go straight to the source. Along the way. It makes sense what a republic yeah, is. It yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's why, it, you know, Republicans don't necessarily embody. No. What the republic is, and I think a lot of people neither do Democrats. No, exactly. Yeah, democracy has nothing to do with 
the Democratic Party. Those are opposite things, as far as I'm concerned. And people need to understand that. They need to, like, learn that the Republic is vastly different from the Republicans. It's not this... If you think it's an evil, corrupt thing, it's not that. If you think it's the answer to all things, it's also not that, you know? And democracy is completely the opposite of what the Democratic Party is wanting to do, you know? They're, they're, they're not they're not related, like, <laughs> you know? And people need to start learning that stuff and being able to see the difference. And, I don't know, that's... <sighs> Robert Anton Wilson talked about this a lot. He said, the dangers of language the dangers of certain words. His least favorite word was is, because it was so definite. He said you can't use the word is in any sentence without, you know, standing on the idea of something being factual. Something is, it's, it's too final. There's no room for interpretation. There's no room for growth. It is the absolute. And he says, is is the most dangerous word in the English language. I remember reading that when I was a kid. I was like, what? <laughs> like, I'd say is like 20 times a second, you know? Yeah. And it, Definitely. yeah, when I start thinking about it, like if I try and practice removing it from my vocabulary, it makes me realize how stupid I am, you know? And it also makes me realize how much I'm giving my opinion and making it sound like facts. You know? And that's dangerous. It's stupid. And every time I start a sentence with I think people should do this, it's just my perspective. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's also... It's equally as dangerous. And that's kind of why I like the what-if game. Most people hate it because it's the Socratic method. It's endless. There's no end to the what-if game. But it helps you explore ideas in a way that's not imposing yourself onto others. It's a... What-if is the neutralization of is. You know what I mean? So I think... There it is again. I think... that I should stop using that as an expression. What if I stop saying I think so much? Will that help me on my quest to remove is from my vocabulary? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like... Yeah, Robert, Ant Robert Anton Wilson was one of my personal heroes. Dude, that guy blew my mind. I think he really changed how I perceived the world. I liked his perspective on Crowley's perspective of the power of the written word. I, I hear examples of that all the time, too. The power of the written word. Just the other day, uh, Christina Reed were watching the show Songland, right? What it is, is it's kind of like a, in the vein of America's Got Talent or the next top singer type show. But what they do is they'll take a a person who submits an, a song idea, then they have these experts from each 
field of music, you know, there's a country person, a rap person, or, and they pick the songs that they like, and then they produce that song with the person who wrote it, and then they put it on their album and give them full credit and get this producer's or songwriter's kind of career kick-started. And they were watching this one the other day where this kid was like, a year ago to this day, to this day, he wrote down, I'm going to have this song written and picked by this producer on this television show. And it happened. And he won. And when they told me that, I'm like, yeah, the only reason that happened is because he wrote it down. Like, he made that a goal. And not only was it a goal, it was cemented into what we know as reality. Right. It became factual. Robert, uh, Robert Anton Wilson, Tony Robbins, Alistair Crowley, Timothy, you know, Timothy Leary, Tim Ferriss, all these people who do these incredible things start with writing it down. I've done that here. Like, everything that I have that's good is because I wrote it down at some point. I said, I want this. I'd like to accomplish this by this time. And I'm always a year off when I write things. <laughs> like, I do my, like, all my 2019 goals are getting met now, you know? It's funny, but the fact that I wrote it down, those things happen. There's so much power in that. I don't know what it is. And you see it in all these religions, too. Like, you write down prayers or whatever, burn them up. Well, that's Wiccan or witchcraft. It's also Tibetan. It's also, you know, the, these practices go across all these different belief structures. And it's this universal truth. And Duncan Trussell always talks about this, which I appreciate, but chapter one, word one, verse one of the Bible, the word was with God. You know, like, the power of the spoken word and the written word creates everything. It's the, it's the cornerstone. Like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like rappers say that, too. Like, my word is bond. You know? Like, that's another thing people should practice with these thought experiments. So, you troubleshoot something. What if, what if, what if, what if. You get to a scenario you kind of like where you don't see a whole lot of things going wrong. Write it down. See what happens. Just write it down. Don't even make it a goal. Don't make it an actionable thing. Well, the only action is to write it down. Other than that, put it put it away, hide it. Several years later, when you're reading through it or you find it by mistake, you'll read it. You, you will be surprised. Because what's going to happen is you're either going to have that exact thing happen or you tried that thing at some point and it went so wrong that it puts you on the trajectory that you're on now which might be a hundred times better than what you thought you wanted to begin with. <laughs> yeah. That's the wild stuff. I don't know. I think, what was it? Prometheus Rising 2. Dude, that was... Movie? No, no, that's just Prometheus. Robert Anton Wilson. Oh, Prometheus oh, Rising. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That book, dude. That was like... That was a game changer for me. It really 
taught me a lot about kind of basic psychology and the meshing of certain personalities and also that the thought experiment he did where he said look for a quarter tried oh yeah he's like i did that one a lot dude i did orders everywhere exactly (laughs) what what was your conclusion with that was the magical thinking did you manifest those quarters or were you just paying more attention and found the quarters it almost seemed like magical thinking like because uh no it's a strange thing so for people who don't know what we're talking about is uh just tell yourself in your mind that wherever you go you're going to start finding quarters right i'm not sure if there's much more detail to that. That's about it, yeah. Yeah, just, you're going to find some quarters. And you don't have to look for it, just cement that in your mind. Tell yourself that. And eventually it'll start happening and you'll notice. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that, that's a strange train of thought. It's too bad it doesn't work on, like, $100 bills for some reason. And, well, I mean, I suppose it could, but there's a lot of things that Crowley was saying about how... Uh, currency doesn't seem to be affected by uh, these these magical practices. Yeah. And it's like a strange thing to him, but, you know, that might just be because, you know, what we're talking about, like, if if art was currency, you know, you can it just turning anything into a currency um, really breaks down its value at some point. It, it'll eventually corrupt it. Maybe that's why it doesn't really work with magic. What if it's something to do with so Crowley was always talking about manipulating reality and um, he's working in natural confines and currency we've established yeah. is such an unnatural process yeah. that maybe that's why it doesn't affect it at all because it's kind of outside it of it exist. yeah it's outside of what makes sense right. yeah funny story though with the quarter thing so I did that experiment uh, the other, the second part of that thought experiment is he says, okay, now that you've done this for a while and you've most definitely found some quarters, <laughs> what is it? Is it magical thinking? Do you believe that you manifested those quarters from thin air out of nothing? You created those quarters. Or was it so on your mind that you heightened your level of awareness and consciousness to where you saw the quarters that were already there without you manifesting them and still managed to acquire them because you're paying attention he left that open ended there was no right or wrong answer you're either a magical thinker like Crowley where you manifest it or you're just paying attention and you're kind of operating at a higher level above the rest of the crowd, which Wilson put himself in that camp more often than not. Um, But what I did with that is I took the experiment and I tried it out. And I did like a couple weeks probably. And I found quarters everywhere. (laughs) But then I hit a point where... Uh, so I tried I tried both hats on. The first time I said, I'm just going to pay attention and see if I find quarters everywhere. I did it. Second time, I tried to manifest it. Nothing. Couldn't find quarters anywhere. And one day, I, I was walked into like a little patch of woods in the middle of Jennings Park in the center of town. And I'm just kind of like, I'm going for a walk. And there's a spot that we used to hang out at 
where we had our our stick battles. Yeah. That little patch of woods there. <laughs> There's a nice clearing, some cool trees to sit in, like just it's away from the city in the middle of the city. I go in there, I walk down the hill, I take a few steps in, and all of a sudden I hear like ching ching like clanking. It's directly behind me. So I turn down or I turn around and I look down, there is a pile of brand new shiny quarters at my feet. Right over where I just stepped. I did not see those going in. <laughs> and not only that, there was nickels and dimes in it too. In yeah. a nice little neat pile. I didn't drop this. It didn't fall out of my pocket. But it I heard it land directly behind me. Dude, I was I was out there by myself. <laughs> I look around. I was so freaked out. Yeah. Like that's the that's the weirdest one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to me. And I was for sure I was like, oh man. Cause then I was like I was kind of discouraged with the magical thinking aspect of it because I'm like, this doesn't work, this is bullshit. And then when that happened, I was like, oh, fuck, dude. I felt like I'd... Well, the the most important part of it is to forget about it. Completely forget about Yeah, it. and that was kind of the thing. I'm like, I need to just, like, go for a walk, blow off some steam. And it was the moment I let go that happened. Now, to test this theory, I went one step further. I said, okay... Currency obviously is a pain in the ass to manifest. I said, I want to start a collection of wiffle balls that I find in the wild. Mm-hmm. I shoot you not within like a month. I had like six wiffle balls that I found on the side of the road, by park benches, by trash cans, <laughs> like random places. Wiffle balls, so specific. The good size ones too that you hit with T balls. Yeah. Like, what is that? <laughs> Dude, I found so many of them. I haven't seen a wiffle ball since then. Yeah. And they're just laying around everywhere. It was crazy. So I'm like, what's the most random thing I can think of? I took pictures of them, too. I got, like, pictures of them out in the shop, like, balls I was finding. It was bizarre. I picked them up, put them in my pocket. Like, always, I had a backpack, so I just had, like, four wiffle balls in there at a time. It was weird. And it was... No, I got rid of them. Yeah, those are magical artifacts. Potentially. I know, dude. I was like, I manifested these. <laughs> they're they're heavily used, but still, it got me thinking about like the power of all of that. You know, I'm like, what is this? So, bye. <laughs> Sneaking around here. Yeah, we live in the woods. There's ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah dude I don't know thought experiments to me are one of the, like if I could make money just thinking about crap it'd be so fun but they shut down all the philosophy factories so philosophy factories <laughs> yeah there's no, they can't get jobs there anymore yeah. could you imagine like an assembly line of philosophers it's just a conveyor belt. <laughs> With just, an idea. They're like, hmm. Yeah, and everybody's just kind of looking at the conveyor belt go by. <laughs> like, how would you divvy that up? Like, th- this guy always thinks it's bullshit. So he's just like, nope, nope. <laughs> this guy thinks it's like the greatest invention ever, and it's stupid. <laughs> I mean, that's well, no, I'm imagining just a, an actual conveyor belt. An empty conveyor belt just sliding by. <laughs> Nothing. As philosophers just watch Contemplate ideas it. go down the assembly line. 
Maybe we should start that. There's probably a lot of money in that. I just had a really scary thought when you said that. That's why I went silent, but... What if Neuralink was able to extract thoughts like that? Okay. And then put it through a processor. Like a philosophy engine. And then it could tell you, like, the moral and ethic impl implementations or implications or uh, just whatever of that thought. Yeah, that'd be scary. You're like, I'm going to start a food bank, and then it just processes, and it's like 30,000 deaths. Yeah, salmonella <laughs> poisoning, whatever, yeah. you know? It's like, huh. Yeah, the, the potential with all that stuff's really crazy. It is quite frightening. What do you think about, like, I, I've been rambling about magical thinking and all that. It's, it's, it's such a great topic, I don't know. Not enough it's people fun. talk about it. What's your stance on it, like, nowadays? I know kind of your background and what you've gone through. I don't know, your listeners probably don't, but... Yeah, this might be strange for the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit. We've had a very intense spiritual journey I'd say throughout our lives yeah. growing up in the same house with the same circle of people and acquaintances and um, uh, similar experimentations of things <laughs> you know what I mean psychedelic substances yeah those <laughs> um, well I guess uh, I kind of crave, like, a, a return to nature, to simplicity. Mm -hmm. And I think that that sort of the magical thinking, as you describe it, um, that's kind of a key to unlocking that again. Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially with how media is made to control people's minds nowadays. I found myself getting really sucked into that, you know, being fascinated by politics. And, yeah. You know, fascinated by how people can disagree so intensely on things, you know. It's like there's just constant battles of information happening all over the world. And it's really shaping society into a would think a sort of disgusting uh, like rancid portrayal of what humanity could possibly be I mean we have so much technological prowess that we could be building something truly beautiful and most people spend their time you know just wasting away getting sucked into this hellscape that is earth and it just shouldn't be like that when you look at nature and what it provides. You know, it's just being out in the woods right now is great. You know, I think people really need to, they need to observe that more. Um, so, you know, less and less I feel like people are going camping and, you know, just simple things. It doesn't have to be crazy. I'm not saying people should be doing rituals and shit, you know, but literally just like, go out into the woods and walk around and get lost for a little bit, you know? I'm not saying go out into the forest or the mountains and get lost, but, you know, go somewhere where you know, okay, there's a five-mile radius of just wooded area, just 
in the back there, see what happens, you know? Try not to get eaten by wild animals, you know? <laughs> Just like it was when I was a kid. I used to carve trails through the woods. It was super fun. Mm -hmm. That was my, my number one paranoia was that a, a mountain lion would come out of nowhere and just jack me up. But it never happened. I've heard him. Oh, yeah. I've heard him close. For sure. <laughs> that, that'll really fucking put some hair on your nutsack. Yeah, it is. Like, I, I admire the people that uh, go out and hunt animals like that. You know, Those bushcraft um, guys. Yeah, I mean, what is it? Sustainably and uh, what's the word for it? Uh, fucking hunters and vegans always argue about this shit. Like, is it how you kill an animal? You want to do it? Oh, humanely or Humanely, yeah. Yeah. I'm not even going to get into that argument yeah. or where I stand with it. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I do admire uh, hunters that do things the proper way. And that's, that's more uh, getting in tune with human nature. You know, trying to observe what things used to be like, even if you go back to a city and, mm -hmm. you know, get sucked back into the system. Um... I just really think that people have to take more time and connect and speak with each other openly. And that's really why I wanted to get into podcasts anyway. Yeah. It's just... I just like talking to people and learning. There's, there's so much information out there. I don't need to get it through a USB stick plugged in my brain. I can just go out and experience it. Yeah. <laughs> but... It's it's definitely one of the the ways that technology has really made the world better, because you know, like Plato was having those conversations with people. He had to write that stuff down. He probably had to chisel it into a stone tablet. You know, <laughs> it was a while ago. And let's be honest, he probably shorthanded some stuff there, like you know, paraphrased some things. Oh, yeah. But with this. You get to hear me being a complete idiot, you know, stumbling over my thoughts, contradicting myself, um, just spouting off my opinion like it matters, you know? And it's all documented. And I appreciate that. I think that's important because even just for myself, I'll be able to listen to this 10 years from now and I'll be right back here in this time. I'll sit across from you, temperature sounds, all of it. It'll bring me back. And it'll help me be able to either reflect or see if I've grown or gone backwards or like, oh, maybe I was saying something that made sense. Why don't I Why don't I do that? I'm telling everyone else to do it. You know, that kind of thing. So it's just such a cool format, podcasting. It's so much better than the news or books or TV shows it's the ultimate I don't know tool I think that's a medium yeah I would say. yeah exactly it's a medium I really appreciate just like I like to draw with pen and ink and watercolor it's a medium I express myself in and podcasting and listening to audio is a way that helps me on that journey of you know processing and experiencing and um, ex 
expressing that myself through that medium, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, I'm kind of rambling, but... I think it should be fun to see how well-received this is. Because um, really, at this point, I'm just going to do whatever I feel like doing, I think. Yeah, I think it, it's fun to interview people and learn about stuff, but... You know, I need to just sit down and shoot the shit with somebody you've known for a while. It's more entertaining than me, at least. <laughs> it's... I know there's a few of you out there probably like I fucking hate Brandon like he's such a yeah, dumbass piece of shit and like he's so arrogant so egotistical whatever your words you have for me that's cool I love you I miss you hope you're doing well um but yeah this is, this is who I am I can't be sorry for it I'm not right but I'm not wrong <laughs> you know so whatever I am yeah I am I am I'm a human being, not a human doing. <laughs> you know? Whatever. Yeah, it's funny. There, there's actually, like, regular listeners. This one's for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know who you are. For all you regular listeners out there, explore a psychedelic state of mind and being. Yeah. Might be what you're looking for might not might ruin your life be careful (laughs) (laughs) it ruined mine for several years but give me that experience that darkness that I needed to grow you know like I don't know it's funny when I run into people I haven't seen in a long time and they're like what are you up to that moment where you're like what information do I give them yeah not much man (laughs) yeah that could be a thing or maybe you feel this need to be like spill it or maybe you want to give them the highlight reel of like oh yeah I did this and this and this and now I'm on top of my game or whatever like that split second though where people ask you How's it going? What have you been up to? It's weird because I feel like when you're put into that situation, you immediately judge people. Yeah, exactly. You're being judged and you're judging them. And and it's like, well, do I want to have sex with this person? It's a fucking standoff, man. Have a business relationship with this person? Yeah. Want to have a personal thing with this person? It's such a loaded question. Yeah. It's be like it's like it's the same as saying, "What kind of a human are you right now?" Yeah. I'm like average. Yeah, I'm like you know, I'm like breathing. <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, you gotta love people that are willing to admit to the same shit, different day. Oh yeah, that's kind of my loaded <laughs> standard question. You know, response. response but, yeah. yeah, same shit, different dash number. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one in the machining industry. Yeah, it's just the humdrum of everything. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot lately about the importance of all the the psychedelic experiences that I've had when I was younger. And just for the record, for people who don't know, like, I'm completely stone sober. At the moment, I'm enjoying a, a beverage, but 
prior to like the last couple of weeks. I hadn't had a drink in like four years. That was just out of, you know, I wanted to see if I could do it. And it's more just about clearing the fog from my mind. I don't want to have any kind of substance at all in my body. The only one that I didn't give up was caffeine. But that's a good one to give up. Yeah, and I'm probably I'm I'm definitely considering that. I'm I'm weighing it out. Uh, it's one of the best things ever for uh, like going to work. Mhm. Cuz I I swear man, whenever I wake up now, I'm just up. I don't have that fog, that haze. Yeah. Anything. I'm I but I work weird hours, so I currently yeah, that's have that. True. I sleep all day. I get a solid eight to ten hours of sleep, regardless. But besides all that, like, I haven't had any kind of psychedelic experience or anything like that in well over a decade, and it's enough time to like look back. Been that long? For me, it has. Yeah. I mean, we're talking hours for you, maybe, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Um, no, dude, a decade. Think about that. So we have a summer that we refer back to where we went deep into this stuff for... Yeah, it was about six or seven years, I think. Yeah. I'm talking about the one summer. Yeah. The summer. The defining summer. Yeah. That was a long time ago, dude. That built our characters, like... I was like 17, 18, so you were... 15? Yeah, 15, 16. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude. We're talking about the cornerstone of our existence at the moment. The joys of homeschooling. Uh, The joys of no schooling for me. (laughs) I mean... That's essentially what it was. But I think back on that often, daily now, and I'm looking at it through the lens of what I know now. Hindsight, 2020, that kind of thing. And I'm seeing the importance of it. And I'm also seeing that I'm achieving the states of kind of clarity all on my own. With no psychedelics. Because I know how to do it. Because I went through it in a way that so earlier you're saying you don't suggest that people do rituals or anything, right? Like when you're talking about, it. he's like, you're, you're saying, oh, I'm not saying to people to clarify. Like, you know, if I talk about magic, I don't mean you need to have a circle of blood with a goat in it. You know, yeah. Um, but the the process is kind of ritualistic. You have to go through habits and patterns in your mind, hundred percent, to actually make it work. But that just goes with anything that goes with learning that goes with creating things I mean the better you are at going through all those processes and realizing understanding every part that goes into it kind of like how in the Republic they say okay well we have this one professional you know so we need multiple professionals for everything to operate properly Um, if you take any sort of skill or hobby or anything if you learn every single angle about it um, you know the, the potential to meet mastery becomes much higher so that's what's crazy about like engineering and stuff that's just I mean, machining even that's an endless road of knowledge you know, it just never stops as technology keeps progressing and I'm suggesting something different from that 
I say learn a little bit about a lot of things that don't even interest you. Know enough to have a conversation with someone you wouldn't normally have a conversation with. If you hate sports, learn enough to hold a conversation about sports with people who live and breathe it. Vice versa. And as far as the ritual thing goes, right now you're listening to a podcast. Most likely you're listening to this podcast in you know a string of other podcasts you listen to you're sitting down doing the thing or working or whatever it is you do this is part of your ritual already did you check your phone today did you check your emails it's a ritual what i'm suggesting is replace these rituals with other rituals you know to say that we're not ritualistic people is insane like did you wake up did you shit did you eat you did all these things without thinking about it. Regardless, those are those are imposed rituals. They happen every day. They're ritualistic. If you're not shitting every day, you should go see a doctor. You know. But what I'm getting at is, if you can take some of these quiet moments in your day, or even the noisy ones, and replace them with quiet moments, make that a ritual. Do that every every day and see where you get. If your thing is, when you look in the mirror and you say, I'm an ugly person, I'm fat, I suck, I'll never get good at X, replace it with, right now I'm looking at myself in the mirror. Do that every day. See what happens. Don't put an opinion to it. Don't put an idea to it. Just say, right now, I'm present. I showed up to this moment. Look around, see what the moment looks like. Imagine you had a button you could push and you pause time and you're able to move through that space and take as much time as you want. If you do that enough, you can start seeing small details of things you didn't notice before. I lived in this house for three years so far. Every day I find something new that I didn't notice before helps me with repairs <laughs> like whoa there's a crack here i gotta get on that you know right. but slowing down and replacing dumb rituals with less dumb rituals is a good place to start and if you do it enough i think possibly well i feel or what if you did this enough to where you could achieve kind of a psychedelic state at all points of the day you know where you look at like do what you're saying where you get out in nature that's the first step but if you can't go out there and relax and really look at everything and be like have you looked at a leaf lately (laughs) you know how much shit's going on on there all those patterns when's the last time you done that even the you listening when's the last time you did that like shit gets crazy when you slow the fuck down and take these things in. That's why, for me, I'm... So I usually draw from imagination. That's always been kind of my go-to thing. I'm trying to learn perspective. I'm trying to learn to draw from observation. It's really difficult because you have to have some degree of realism to make it look legit, right? If a line's going this way, I can't have it going this way because it makes the the picture looks off. There's rules you have to follow, but by s- forcing myself 
into habitually practicing that ritual of these rules, it's allowing me to see things in a whole new light that are pretty psychedelic. I'm like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I'm seeing some small details and shit. And it's doing a lot for me, dude. It's taking a lot of like, that weight is off my body. And, you know, right now is the best time to do that. Yeah. If you're stuck in your house right now, just, if you looked at every single crack on the wall yet, you might have. What'd you learn about yourself when you did that? Have you studied every little pore in the tiles in your bathroom? If you haven't, I suggest you go do that. Do it completely sober. Eat five pounds of mushrooms. I don't give a shit. Either way, just go do it. Because something's going to happen. You're going to learn a lot about yourself. I'd eat five grams. <laughs> five pounds is a little much, dude. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, essentially what you're saying is, uh, you know, that's really in tune with, like, how Sam Harris is entirely convinced that, uh, psychedelic experiences can be achieved through meditation and I really think that's there's a truth to that mm-hmm. um, I just remember one time um, I had a, a high dose of psilocybin mushrooms and uh, I was in the woods and I remember seeing a flower and it was a little bit off the trail and they're actually people walking through these woods. You know, you try to get off the beaten path a little bit, but I saw a flower off the side of the trail, and for some reason I decided to lay down and look at it for like 10 minutes. Hell yeah, dude. (laughs) That's where it's at. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what you're describing, I think, Um, because there really is a lot of beauty in the little things, even if it's, you know, like cracking the wall, like you're saying, but, um, you know, you gotta think that beauty is in the eye of the beholder as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, essentially your eyes are just kind of, uh, it's like lenses on a, a video camera, you know? I mean, everything you're experiencing is actually, you know, ever so slightly off. Like what you see is, I think it's way under milliseconds, probably like nanoseconds, but there is a delay. You're never actually in real time. Um, and it's, you have to keep in mind that if there's like a little a loop that happens, you know, you're visually stimulated through your eyes, it hits your brain and it tells you what's happening. I mean, it's how your brain takes that information that's important. And if you're constantly looking at a screen, um, constantly thinking about your bank account or whatever, um, your brain's going to spit that out as useless information. Yeah. Like, who gives a shit about that tree? It's green, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, taking the time to just sit and be with yourself is great. I think that example of looking in the mirror, you know, just say, I'm looking in the mirror. That's, that's a fantastic perspective. Yeah. Even what you're saying there, like, all the examples you just gave reinforces what I was talking about were if you look at a screen and worry about your bank account all the time and all this stuff, those are rituals. Whether you want to admit it or not, you know, quit lying to yourself, those are rituals. And 
checking your bank account's important. You got to do that once in a while, you know. Sure. Do it once a day. Check your emails. You got to do that. But don't let it consume you, you know. So a lot of people do that for hours on end. That's it. Yeah, if there is no currency, then you wouldn't be checking your bank account. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if time was your currency, you'd be real worried about your time and how you're spending yeah, it. That's what you should be worried about. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So. That's an important thing. Time is the most valuable currency. Yeah. And I always hear that example of like, well, think about this minute as a coin or like all the, the big self-help guys talk about that. It's because it makes sense. You have yeah, X very, amount of time on this planet, you know? I feel like I blinked and I'm 30 and I'm blinking be 60. Oh, so hell yeah, dude. kind of terrifies me. <laughs> and, you know, if you want to get real scared, who guarantees you get to 60? Right. There's no, nothing that I says... Could walk out and spontaneously combust in my car. I could have a heart attack and die before this podcast is over. Yeah. Because I'm so unhealthy. I'll put 20 bucks on that. I've gained so much weight. (laughs) I'm so fat. I'm so fat. My doctor told me I wasn't cosmetically appealing. (laughs) I took all the mirrors out of my house because I was sick of looking at them. It just can't be. I'm too fat. (laughs) No. Oh, man. I think. Yeah. There it is again. I think. I think. I think. I think. That's the one you're going to have to edit all the I thinks out of this. I'm sorry if you're listening to me and you're like, I fucking hate this guy so much. He's such a gross piece of shit. They wouldn't have made it this far. Yeah, if you made it this far, good on you. Yeah. We should talk. (laughs) (laughs) So, what should this podcast be about? (laughs) It's a little late for that. (laughs) I don't know. Probably. Are you talking about going forward? No, I meant this one. This episode. Yeah. I'd mm-hmm. say this. How many hours are we in this? Two and a half. Two and a half. <laughs> We're not quite there yet. I guess we could. I can go all night. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Philosophy, ethics, I don't know. Magical thing, I keep coming back to that. Yeah. It's funny because I wanted to talk about leisure, but I'm realizing now that leisure allows me all this room to explore magical thinking. And that's such a dumb term for it. I'm sorry, I don't have a better way to describe it, but it's unconventional thought. However, you want to say that, you know? <laughs> Maybe it's entirely conventional. To me, it's it makes more sense than the regular thinking of just like, oh my god, everything's crumbling apart. Uh, like, no, it's not. The world's fine. You're fine. We're all good. If you want to make sure things don't fall apart, you got to start with you. You know, I'm doing my part to try and like make sense of my bullshit. I want to be a better person at the end of this. You know. The last three years, I'd say, actually, so age of 27, during my psychedelic years, I convinced myself I'll be dead by 27. I think it was some egotistical thing of like, I want to join the 27 club. I'm going to be some famous musician, whatever. I don't even play music anymore. Like, that's how (laughs) much I gave up on that. But 
when my 27th birthday was approaching, I was like, oh shit. I kind of, it's a lot of things I didn't do here. Yeah. It sort of cut myself short here. But when it came and went, I had this thing happen where, you know, I used to do tarot cards for fun. Like, this is how weird I got. Tarot cards, astrology, magic, all that shit. I studied a bunch of different religions. I think it's, you know, I just wanted to know. I felt like there's an answer out there I was looking for. I couldn't find it. So when I turned 27... Oh, shout out to Taoism. Yeah. What up, Taoism? <laughs> I like that. I see you. Taoism's <laughs> great, you know. But this thing happened. Well, Sue hit me up for a podcast. <laughs> What's up, boy? Come possess me. <laughs> I'll rewrite it. I'll rewrite the Tao Te Ching just for you. Uh, anyways, anyways. He's like, nah, I first got fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see how he dressed? <laughs> yeah. I was an idiot. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, so at 27, I had this thought of, like, I'm going to die, right? I'm gonna die at 27. And then when I was doing tarot cards, my my card I got was the death card. But when you look up the meaning of it, I just went over this the other night because uh, my wife's learning how to read tarot cards. So it's like, it's fun because I'm getting to revisit all that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I still remember a shit ton of it. Yeah. And I was well, like, transformations, new beginning. Yeah, so she drops the card. She's like, oh my god, that looks scary. I'm like, it's not scary. I'm like, this is the most beautiful card in the whole deck. And so we looked at it, and sure enough, is you know, there is no rebirth without death. There's no anything without death. Everything comes to an end. And only at that end are you allowed to start new. That's not even getting into whatever, reincarnation or any of that stuff. I'll leave that one alone. If you're into it, cool. Whatever. I think as far as personal growth, if you don't die to yourself, you don't die to some of the habits you have, some of those rituals, you don't die to some of the the thinking that's kept you stagnant forever, you're never going to grow. You're just going to keep doing the same dumb shit over and over and over and over. Right? So, what happened was the last perspective I ever wanted to take, I was devout in my stance against this perspective. On my 27th birthday, like, not my birthday, but a few months after my birthday, the year of my 27th birthday. I completely surrendered everything I thought I knew and dove into a new perspective. And that perspective has brought me full circle to my old perspective. Mm -hmm. But with a new twist on everything. Now I feel... Christianity? Yeah. So, sorry guys. It's a dirty word for a lot of you. No, there's actually a lot of people... Well, I would think there are some Christian yeah so that's the thing in this Christianity is the most psychedelic yeah, thing out there period yeah. it trumps it all and I, I you know 
chill out, Islam. You guys are all right. <laughs> Don't come after me. <laughs> but Christianity has got something to it where, dude, it is wild as fuck. Yeah. I read that book for the first time, really. And that, this is the thing. I had a lot of bad experiences with people who were said Christian. Oh, yeah. No, they are shitty shit, people, yeah. you know? And yeah, a lot of them, too. Yeah. So it turned me off from it. And even now, dude, I see it's like... It's a lot of people, you know, Southern Baptist Church, those types of guys. Fuck those people. That's... There's nothing biblical about what they're doing. Unless they're talking about Satan. That shit's evil, what they do. It's gross. And I want everyone to know that Christianity is not about that. You know? So what happened was... I died to the thought of who I was prior to the age of 27. And I just gave up. I literally gave up on everything. I quit playing music. I quit talking to all the people I used to talk to. I quit eating, sleeping, all the shit. I went to a deep, deep, deep depression. And when I started reading the Bible for the first time, something happened, dude. I was seeing... I was reading these stories and I, I just made the decision. I'm like, I'm gonna give this a shot. No matter how ridiculous this sounds, I'm gonna pretend that it's real. And that was the psychedelic thinking kind of a thing. I'm like, I saw some shit on mushrooms. I saw some crazy shit on DMT. What if I just go ahead and have that perspective, like, surrender to it. That was the thing. If I always surrendered to whatever I was doing, I let it do the driving, and I didn't ruin it. Those were the best experiences that I had. I came out of it, learned something, because I surrendered fully to the thing. So I tried that with the Bible. As I read through it, I was probably about halfway through it, and I was like... I didn't know what to make of, you know, reality. Felt like I had been lied to my whole life. And like, this was the thing. This made sense. Every other religion I ever studied kind of relied on you to do the thing. Like, the entity of God was always on your shoulders. That was your thing that you had to hold up. But in this, there was the scapegoat. There was this thing that was half man, half God, that took all that shit, all that pressure off of you, put it onto him, freed you up to figure out what the fuck you're doing here, you know? And that blew my mind because I'd never experienced anything like that before. I haven't found that anywhere else. I've looked high and low. All that stuff. It always comes back to you pulling the weight. And it's the moment that you surrender it fully and give up. That's when it starts to make sense. And it restores your faith and kind of... Well, it teaches you what faith is ever for the first time in your life. The definition of faith is to put trust into something that makes no logical sense. 
you know people want to talk shit about it and say oh yeah these stories are like for babies whatever I'm like okay well that's ass backwards perspective there <laughs> yeah right that's what I think I'm like you know what now imagine if like you had the bible that was like Game of Thrones or some shit it is dude yeah if you read it it's twisted man yeah. it's some x-rated make, shit make an HBO documentary about that easily dude no gifts and out of it no, throw him in there. Throw him in there. Yeah, yeah he can be Saul. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's Saul from uh, for King David, not Saul and Paul. Just a couple Sauls yeah, in there. Yeah. He goes crazy, yeah. fucking kills himself. Yeah. <laughs> Mel Gibson would do that great. Mel Gibson should kill himself. Shout <laughs> out Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, what up, boy? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm just being a prick. Anyway, without going on too deep of a rant. And I don't want to... I'm not trying to preach anything. If you're not into it, you're not into it. It's fine. But what I do think is it's the most psychedelic book ever written. If you think you know what the Bible's about, you're completely wrong. And if you... If you're pro-Bible and you think you know everything in it, you're wrong. If you've never read it and you have an idea what it is, you're wrong. If you've read it cover to cover multiple times and you think... You know it intimately. You're wrong. This thing is a living, breathing entity. And every time you read it, it moves on you. Right. It's and wild. There's that saying, too, with quantum physics. Yeah. It's the same exact thing. Exactly, if you dude. you think you understand it, then... You're wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I love, like, I always go back to that analogy, too. Like, the Bible is, like, the most quantum... It's a quantum computer. Like we don't we don't know where it came from or like why it does what it does and even if you think you understand it you're it's just it's insane, dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You can cut all this out if your listeners aren't interested, but I think I'm just gonna not edit anything. That's cool. <laughs> what do you think? I think that's great. Yeah. But yeah, man. The death to yourself that was so that was my big epiphany. <clears throat> The whole story where Jesus goes to the cross, dies for the sins, you know? I'll give you the gospel in a nutshell. Like, this is the the quick and dirty version of it. Without getting into too much details, the world we currently live in is kind of a holding place for everybody to see whether or not we get it our souls as we know it is what we really are we aren't our bodies we aren't our minds we aren't even our own thoughts it's our souls that are trapped in this thing that move through this reality right unfortunately as it stands the devil whatever you want to call him satan whatever any even if you don't want to put that name on it just the evil in the world, the things you dislike, the things that you're a prisoner to, your soul has been pawned off onto him. Dude runs a pawn shop, Earth is the pawn shop, your soul just got hocked for 20 bucks. Devil's got your soul, right? You don't have enough money to go buy it back because you're broke as fuck. 
you're working three jobs, trying to support kids, none of the shit's working, you're broke. You can't get your soul back. So, this one dude shows up and says, I got it, I want to buy his soul back. Buys it back for you, gets you out of Hawk. Now, you got, you kind of like, oh, but he says, don't worry about it, you don't got to pay me back. I just, I got you, don't worry about it. I got money, I'm good, I'm doing all right. I know this guy, we go back, he got me a deal, right? If you're a decent person, you'd be grateful to that, that guy who bought your soul back. And that's it. End of story. Like, so for me, Jesus was the guy who bought my soul back for me. He's got it in his possession. And so every day when I wake up, I'm just like, thanks, bro, for spotting me. Appreciate that. Did a lot for me. And that frees me up to start doing what I got to do that day. And now I'm out of the pawn shop. Now the world's different. It's not a prison anymore. It's brighter, sunnier, it's happier. Makes more sense. Even with all the death and destruction and corruption, evil stuff I see, I can still find beauty in it. I wasn't able to before. Like, couldn't do it. So, that means anything to you look into it just check it out if you think it's the dumbest thing you ever heard you're probably right that's fine (laughs) keep doing your thing you're doing all right you don't need this you know what i mean anyway that's the end of my rant but full circle it's it freed me up so much to start thinking about psychedelic stuff dude and why it's so important and why none of this stuff actually matters this is a joke dude it's an illusion and I know for the people who are like really 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 suffering right now that's exactly what you need to hear you can hate that with all your being and be so angry that I'm saying this but sorry that's what you need to hear you know it's not my not my will Anyway, yeah, that was a weird rant, dude. How about you take it for a minute? <laughs> Getting away from me. Oh man, I think we could just end it there. Really? Yeah. All right. It's not a downer note. I think it's a positive message. Yeah, no, I think that. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to add, if there's anybody suffering out there listening to this, there are enormous amounts of resources for people right now. Yeah, they're popping out of the woodworks. It's like humanity really actually is shining right now. Yeah, um, you know, go and take advantage of it. Don't feel bad, you know, because you've given so much to the universe. You know, it's time for the universe to give you something back. But. Yeah, it's not your burden to bear. Yeah, somebody else can help you along the way. Yeah. Even if it's just your neighbor, whatever, someone in your household, right? Complete stranger. We need to help each other, regardless. And not just because of the great podcast crisis that's happening in the world. We should do this every day, you know? We should always be 
looking out for the human next to you. So that human's not doing good. You might not be doing good, you know? And no. Don't do it out of selfish reasons, but at the same time, like, we can all win here. Yeah, man. Go meditate. <laughs> go sit in a rock somewhere. <laughs> go find a river. Sit by it. If you don't have access to a river, let the sink run for a minute. <laughs> Pretend it's a river. Close your eyes. Check yeah, it out. Look deep in your soul. Deep in your soul. Oh, before we close this out, I do have one thing I wanted to ask you. What? I don't know why. At some point in this conversation, I was having the thought of we we're talking about psychedelics. I don't know if any research has been done on this, but I'm curious. You were talking about how we process information visually, right? Yeah. Blind people who do DMT or mushrooms, mm -hmm. what kind of visualizations, if any, do they have? Has research been done on this? I'm sure it has, but what is that about? Uh, I'm not actually sure on that one. Um... I think with mushrooms it would be harder because you actually need something to sort of respond to. Well, I guess yeah, in some high doses you can actually get... Well, what about DMT? Hallucinations. Yeah, DMT, that'd be an interesting one. Yeah. Um, I bet it'd all be the same because that's not really... A... I feel like DMT is not really altering you. It's just like a... Well, it it reduces the things that block the receptors from receiving the DMT, right? Or that's ayahuasca. Yeah. So ayahuasca, you take it. Ayahuasca is way different. Yeah. So that's a bad example. But what I'm thinking is, so DMT is kind of a, a naturally occurring thing. Right. Like. I would think that somebody would have the same trip as you and I would have. Yeah. DMT specifically. I had my eyes closed the whole time, and I, yeah. just, you know. No, it's more like a vehicle. Yeah. I guess it's like you know your body's this vehicle. I think if you, you know, just any sort of psychedelic beside DMT, you kind of get to experience, you know, different ways your vehicle can operate. But uh, you know, I firmly believe that DMT. Um, you transfer into a different vehicle entirely, mm -hmm. um, which would, I mean, that leads me to believe that uh, there's definitely more realities than this one, you know. Um, I just don't think, like, it really bothers me when people say, like, when you die, it's just black and it's over. Yeah. Because I can't even begin to fathom what nothing would be yeah if you want to get into that conversation oh, I always, trying, I trying always to imagine nothing is near impossible yeah um, it yeah. makes just as much sense as saying that the universe came from nothing to say that it goes back to nothing is nonsense right. from nothing something zero plus zero zero bitch <laughs> yeah, it's really strange uh, when the, the Voyager turned around and took that picture of Earth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like 
smaller than a pixel on the screen. Yeah. I mean, this existence is so vast. It's, yeah. That's just unbelievable. It's. I can't fathom there being nothing. It just doesn't make sense. No. Yeah, as far as blind people go, um, really not sure. I'd, I'd have to ask a blind person. Um, somebody who used to sell me mushrooms is blind now. But I, I was like 16 years old. And Did they I never, use them? I never thought to ask. Yeah. That would have been my first question. Like, do you use this? What's it like? Well, yeah, I was young and stupid. And just trying yeah. To hide. Damn, dude. That's my problem. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I don't mean that. It's it's not like an offensive thing. I'm not making fun of blindness at all. I think it's terrible. Yeah. But I'm just curious, like, if a blind individual were to take psychedelic drugs and then had bright, colorful visualizations or any visualizations, even black and white, that would lead me to believe that that state is accessible naturally, despite losing one of the senses. You know what I mean? Right. And if you can do it induced, then you should be able to access it, you know, naturally. Yeah, I think it's more uh, just figuring out what to do to make your body fire off to different sectors of the brain. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you have all these tools inside your, your body, like, why don't we use all of them? Yeah. Um, no. It's probably really ancient knowledge that's been so far gone that we really have trouble seeing, thinking about that. Um, so especially with a, a blind person, I think you know, it could be really helpful just to view the world differently, even if it's not uh, a visual thing. Whenever I've done that, like it, it gives me a different life perspective. It lasts for weeks and months sometimes. Kind of in the same vein of that, like when a YouTube video I've been watching recently, there's this, um, it's called Sign with a Heart. This uh, woman who's deaf, she teaches like sign language on YouTube. And uh, she's been trying to, like, vlog mm. every day, which that alone is interesting. A deaf person vlogging and putting on YouTube. But then something even more interesting happened was uh, her dad's, like, a pastor or something. So I started watching these conversations with her and her father where he's giving her Bible studies, and they film it. And I was like, you know, thinking about earlier the power of the written word power of the spoken word and then they're using these hand gestures to talk about the gospel right. I was like whoa this it pretty blew me away yeah cause it's like really it reminds me of like uh, some Harry Potter shit like they're <laughs> doing some like gestures and opening yeah. up portals dude yeah. it's wild but yeah it's been making me think a lot about like Okay, so the people who lose a sense, you know, if you can't see certain things, you can hear things. If you can't hear things, you can still see them, you know. There's that give and take. And 
finding that uh, that access point to all of it. I think it's just another thought I'm considering. I don't well, know. That's it's really cool. uh, back to Eric Weinstein again. Yeah. When he said, "What happens when human discover their when humans discover their own source code?" Yeah. I mean, that did the weirdest thing. I felt this tingling in my head, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to the bathroom, looked in the mirror, and my hair was standing up. And it was fucking weird, because my hair's like a few inches long. Yeah. It was like somebody had a balloon over my head, and my hair was just sticking up. Dang. I've never experienced that before, and I'm unable to recreate it. Weird. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, dude. You know, I opened up something. I, yeah. I feel like I've been viewing the world a lot differently since then. He's always talking about the portal. Yeah. So he opened a portal that day when he dropped that on everybody. Oh, he, he dropped a bomb on some people. I yeah. can only imagine what people are thinking with that information. That was Einstein's white whale, dude. That yeah. was the thing he couldn't figure out. Like, Just harpooned it. Yeah. That guy's a genius. Yeah, potentially. It's all theory right now. It's going to put it into practice. So cool, though. I'm glad he's doing that kind of work. He's 30 years deep in that shit, dude. It's wild. <sighs> anyway, man. This has been super fun. I'd like to do this again sometime if people don't oh, completely hate my guts. Oh, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing it. Yeah. That's <laughs> no, been fun. Yeah, it's, it's a good change of pace. Like, I'm glad we're outside doing this. Yeah. I'm glad we're trying to do something, or you're trying to do something positive. I'm glad I could be a part of it. You know? I've been looking forward to this for a long time, so it's been very cool. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Bye. a fucking long episode if you made it this far congratulations the universe is very proud of you and I'm sure your mother is too Um, just remember if you want to get a cribbage board for yourself or for somebody else go to the number 3moonsmakerspace.com use promo code UFH10 at checkout for 10% off Also, if you're in Ferndale or passing by Ferndale, stop by at Fringe Brewing. Buy some cans of beer from them. This is crucial. Go there. Do it. Eat some food, too. They got food trucks. In Ferndale. Do it. Fringe Brewing. Go. Now. Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. Love you. Bye.